If you're a long-time listener of the podcast, I'm sure you know that my mom has been with me for a while, and that's because my wife, Patience, was off in Washington, D.C. because she was getting some extra qualifications in finance, which comes in handy for her job as a uh, government regulator, or rather a regulator working with a government agency, and possible ideas that we have for uh, businesses in the future. And so, uh, Grandma, as uh, the kids call her, Grandma Ben, so Grandma Ben was around um, with us for uh, close to a year, um, helping out until Patience got back. Patience is my wife. That's for those of you who are new-time listeners. And, uh, yeah, so now that wifey is back, uh, we've settled in, we've gotten back to our usual flow. It's time for Grandma to leave. And, in fact, Grandma Ben left this morning. And so I figured I'd make a recording because um, there are a couple of conversations that we've had while she's been here. Um, uh, For those of you who don't live with your parents anymore, I'm sure you can appreciate what it is that I'm about to say. Um, You know, you run off to university and then you spend a lot of time in university. You know, each uh, semester is about three or four months. And so basically, you spend all your time in uni, you come home for about two or three weeks, then you're back in uni again, and then maybe you're home for Christmas, uh, well, at least for me anyway, but for my other siblings, my brother and um, my cousins, because um, my mom only has uh, me and my, my, my brother, but we have uh, the other girls who grew up with us, that we call sisters, but actually my cousins. So my brother and my cousins, they had much more independent streaks. And so they spent even more time away from uh, home because they wanted to be out with friends and uh, stuff like that. So anyway, you get to spend very little time with your folks when you're growing up and you hit 18, you know, independence years and uh, all of that. And so as you go, as you grow um, a lot older, you start valuing the time that both of you have together. So now that I'm a parent and I have my own kids, um, every single time that we can spend together, you know, like momsy coming over because patience wasn't around or, uh, you know, you head over, you know, you go back home for um, the Easter period or things like that. Um, we've been spending a lot of time. We've been talking a lot and we've been doing a lot of um, catching up. And one interesting thing I found was that they have been incidents and um really formative things in my childhood that I thought were significant one way, but then only to discuss with my mom and then realize that uh, things were not kind of what I thought them out uh, to be. And that brings me to the topic of what I would like us to talk about today, and that's this thing called social capital. Now, social capital is something that is spoken about in American business and social circles and, uh, sorry, sociology circles and social capital The idea behind social capital is this um, idea that there are learned skills or acquired skills that children soak up because of the environment that they're in. So it's pretty much a kind of osmosis thing. So you have situations where, um, if you remember from the knowledge management episode, there are these situations where uh, children acquire tacit, in, um, sorry, explicit information because a teacher is telling them to learn their ABCs or one, two, threes and things like that. And basically, social capital is just all those other things that children learn just from the benefit of being in a certain environment. And now, the reason why um, social capital is one of those things that is discussed in American business and sociological circles is because I'm sure you guys have realized, well, for those of us who are Nigerians anyway, 
um, Nigerians or maybe Africans listening to this podcast, I'm sure you realize that the Americans are obsessed with this whole idea of nature versus nurture. You know, what makes you what you are? Uh, is it something um, genetic? You know, are you an entrepreneur because there's an entrepreneurial gene or there's a risk-taking gene? Or are you an entrepreneur because, um, you know, your father was a businessman or your mom was a businessman or you grew up in those um, uh, circles? So uh, I've come across some um, research in America that seems to show that there's a genetic component, but that's mostly roughly about 30%. And then the other uh, 60-70%, you know, depends on the environment. So in other words, yes, genetic factors might predispose you towards courage and risk-taking and entrepreneurial behavior. But the most important thing is whether you were raised up in an environment, um, whether you actually did something with that streak or not. So even if you have the risk-taking gene, the entrepreneur gene, whatever it is, if you're not in the right environment, then uh, things are not going to um, things are not going to uh, grow. So there's this idea of uh, social capital, and then how does that tie into uh, this long story that I've gone over so far uh, concerning me and uh, my mom? Um, it's because we were having a conversation. Um, now that my mom is heading back home to uh, Makudi, is in Benue State. She's uh, she wants to get involved in an NGO because um, given circumstances that we uh, grew up, because my mom and my father they had a rough marriage, and uh, I'll spare you guys the details, but pretty much um, Momsi and and uh, the rest of us, the kids, all five of us, we had to be alone from around when I was about twelve or thirteen years, and it was a um, pretty was uh, was a pretty rough period because it's not easy for a young mother, um, five kids trying to um, uh, build a life or rather to continue hmm, what's the word and it's not but well she was a young woman with five kids and thinking about it now I just realized that things must have been really rough because my mom was really young I was born when my mom was uh, 21 or probably 22 so bottom line is you have this young girl who is less than 35 years old with five kids who is trying to rough things out in Lagos and um, um uh well you know there's a period where she was unemployed for a bit and um anyway let's let's just say um that there was a uh, there was a rough uh, period before when we hit by the time we hit university age i mean things had gotten things had gotten relatively better if you could put it that way you know we had quite a bit of money uh mommy was now able to uh pay for um a master's education abroad and you know we had a pretty good life um at a certain point but in the beginning it was um kind of rough and during that rough period um you know i didn't have a father around me or any other um adult figure to look at per se but just my mom and looking at her push through life on rough things you know, oh gosh what's the expression forgive me Anyway, so just watching her, just trying to brave through everything, kind of taught me a lot about um, courage, um, risk tolerance, uh, being entrepreneurial, uh, being bold, because there are times that we had to make ends, uh, she had to make ends meet, whether it's with a job or a business dealing um, um, here and there, because she told me about some of the business runs that she tried to uh, do at the time, you know, to get some, uh, to get some extra money. Uh, anyway, that's a conversation for another day. I mean, some of her uh, failed business enterprises. So, um, from my own point of view, I was learning a lot about how to live by watching my mom being courageous, just her, her against the world. Um, 
it's not like things were really good with her own family anyway because you know as we Niger people know all families have issues so her family was trying to be supportive the way that they could but and she was able to get loans from her brothers every now and then but pretty much it was just her and the kids um her and the kids alone uh her and the five of us alone so i watched her be brave i watched her take um risks and i watched her be entrepreneurial in a lot in lots of things and so for my brother and i i think this thing just became second nature as in we saw our mother be a she-wolf and just take life head on and just fight and so for us it was just second nature that's what we grew up in we didn't grow up in an atmosphere of um, fear it was just this whole thing of um you know we need to get shit done so let's get going and that's what my brother and i learned anyway and so it was very um inspiring for uh was very inspiring for me and i learned a lot just um watching her so anyway, now that Momsi is retired and she's thinking about what next to do with life she wants to get involved in the ngo space and help um uh young ladies in particular because the way Momsi looks at things um life can be unnecessarily um rough um when you're a woman and so um I hooked up with a friend of mine who I met in the NGO space through my work with the British Council and uh they got talking and um so when we finished the meeting uh my mom made a statement that I thought was really interesting so my mom said I am learning from you my son and of course I asked her that what do you mean you're learning from me and she said well um summary she said was well you know i'm watching you do this thing you're being a wedding photographer um now you're a sales consultant uh you know i'm watching you do these things without being afraid and i'm learning how to not be afraid anymore and i asked her that i was like how can you learn from me because rather i learned from you and so she laughed and she said what do you mean you learned from me and i said well this whole thing about uh, courage and being brave and you know there's something that needs to do let's just do it you know um i learned my courage i learned my lack of fear from watching you and then she had a big laugh and she was like what i did was not brave and i'm like no mom what you did was brave and she said no that that was not bravery it was just how for do um for those of you who are not Nigerians listening to this podcast the idea behind how for do is like um you're between a rock and a hard place so like you're screwed any which way so you might as well just get it on and we had a good laugh over that because i thought my mom was brave but for her she didn't see it as being brave for her it was just i'm between a rock and a hard place you know shit needs to be done let's get shit done and that's just how she was looking at it but i still maintain that <clears throat> there's uh bravery there because there are people who have been in situations that my mom was and absolutely um crushed them so i still think my mom is brave even though she says she's not brave she's very fearful and she did what she had to do then just because shit needed to get done and so we had to move so uh yeah it was one of those conversations where um we didn't have any clear resolution i still maintain that i learned all these things from my mom but my mom says no she's fearful and that she's learning bravery from watching me um so how does this tie into this whole thing about social capital sorry about this uh long story that i've gone on today so how does this tie into this whole thing about social capital there are lots of things that you do and your kids they're watching you know they are learning 
you might be moving out of an instinct of fear because you're trapped between a rock and a hard place. You don't know what the options are, but you put one foot forward and you keep going on. You think you're being fearful, but that little boy that you have there, that 12-year-old, he's watching. The 8-year-old kid, he's watching. The girls, they're watching and they're learning. They see mommy do stuff. They see daddy do some stuff and they're learning. There's social capital all the time and we just need to make sure that we're very deliberate about these sorts of things. And it's something that my mom did well, I think, because we would have conversations growing up. Um, she was uh, she built a career in the public relations and um, uh, marketing communications, basically. She was with um, she worked with different organizations within the Troika group. Troika is sort of like, uh, should I say, Nigeria's foremost advertising agency, advertising group, kind of. It's headed by this fellow. It's owned by, I um, can't remember his name, Shobanjo. I think people call him the Sao of advertising in Nigeria. Uh, he used to work with some fancy um, American firm back when they were still here. Was it a UK firm? And anyway, he set off on his own. And so he had Troika Holdings and they had MCNA, that's Marketing Communications and Advertising. Uh, there was Troika Group, uh, there was Quadrant. Um, so basically different organizations um, built around public relations, advertising, marketing communications, and what else. So she um, yeah, had several stints um, in some of those um, organizations. And so during those times, we would talk um, about things, public relations, about marketing, about sales, about investing, about networking. Although, to be honest, my mom seemed to lean more to the marketing and networking type conversations. Uh, we didn't do, have a whole lot of sales uh, conversations. But basically from watching her examples and from the conversations that we would have at home and the books that she would leave lying around and uh, the uh, the books that uh, we would read and talk about and things like that, that's where I learned a lot of the things that are important to how I'm trying to grow my business today. So that's what social capital has to do with this long sub story uh, that I've given you guys about my life so far. Uh, basically, just to say that um, for those of you who have kids, you know, the kids are watching. They're acquiring skills. They're acquiring attitudes. They're acquiring um, dispositions. And it's all happening through osmosis. And we have to be very deliberate about that. So for those of us who have kids, we need to talk to our kids. And it's something that I've started doing. You know, my son is uh, at that age, he's um, just above six, and he has started asking those questions. What is a client? Who are your clients? I'd like to meet your clients. Why do you have clients? How do you keep clients? Um, why do we need money? What is money? How do we make more money? We've started having all those conversations, and this is going to be part of the social capital that hopefully is going to be important to him when he is now a 30- or 40-year-old man. Um, there's going to be lots of things that he picked up you know, when he was a 6-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 10-, a 12-year-old, and so it's the same thing with the rest of us who have um, kids. So as much as we're doing our best to build our careers and our businesses as wedding industry professionals, we also need to make sure that we are putting the right environment around their kids so that their, the bank of social capital that they have will set them off for a very um, good life. And I believe in particular that part of this environment that we need to put around our kids is this whole idea of you can achieve and you can do and you do not have to be fearful. Because right now, uh, at the time of making this podcast in 2021, there's a lot of fear. People are unhappy with the um, 
um, the government of Buhari, people think that we have nord, uh, northern um, hegemony going on. People are worried about corruption, all kinds of things. And now there's another wave coming around, everybody running off to Canada. Uh, and, you know, we keep going through all these cycles. So when I was a kid, there was the great U.S. migration, um, you know, with visa lottery and everything, and then on and on. Uh, the UK and so now it's Canada who knows what else is going to be but please let's make sure that we set the social capital right let's not let our children grow up in fear let's help them to realize that they can take personal responsibility for their lives for their finances for their families and that they can um, and they can achieve so let's talk to our kids talk about sales talk about investing talk about networking talk about stuff because the kids are learning and they're picking up loads of stuff and this is going to be really helpful to determining uh, to determine what it is that they become in the future and so uh, this whole thing is divorced from whatever kind of genetics you know that we give them so the genetic part is not up to you whatever your genes are you've already given them so their height has already been determined their color their complexion whether they'll be good looking or not whether they'll be fat or slim that has been determined the risk-taking gene the whatever gene i mean all that is none of our business all that has been determined Let's take care of the nurture part and set our kids up well. And that's pretty much what uh, today's uh, monologue is about. Um, yeah, that's it. I'd like to apologize to you guys if I went on for too long about um, my whole, uh, you know, my whole family wahala, you know, because uh, I'm sure you guys didn't sign up to this podcast to listen to um, somebody uh, moan and bitch about his life. But anyway, yeah, so that's it. Um, social capital. Uh, yeah, so that's it pretty much. Social capital, let's make sure that we set our kids up right. Um, if you're fortunate, like I am, to have parents who are still alive, please spend some time with them uh, because this is a very, I must admit, it's a really good, pleasing, it's a good, it's a much more pleasant part of life, let me put it that way, where you can sit down with your parents and talk to them as peers, as other humans, and not as some authoritarian figures anyway i've gone past the 20 minute mark thank you very much guys for listening to the sales for the nigerian wedding industry podcast i'm your host abuja based <clears throat> so excuse me i'm your host abuja based sales consultant and event media professional tavishima Ayede. thank you very much for your time and attention and don't worry tomorrow's recording is going to be a lot shorter and it's not going to be about any personal stuff i'll head straight to um yeah the business things that we're supposed to talk about and then to give you guys a heads up for the uh, session that I had with uh, Kairos Real Estate on how to close the deal in real estate, um, I'm going to share the uh, material that I came up with um, for them. So you guys should be absolutely, should be very happy because um, it was a paid uh, session to run through their sales team, but you guys are going to be receiving some of that goodness here for free. So you guys should be grateful. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, so those are some of the things that are going to be lined up for the next couple of days for the um, how to close the deal in real estate um, sales training that I did with Kairos Real Estate. That's the real estate firm that uh, Dibanj is a partner in. For those of you who are Nigerians, um, sorry, for those of you who are not Nigerians, Dibanj was a huge, um, I think they call it Afro-pop or what's it called? Afro-pop musician, I mean, back in the day. And, uh, yeah, so he's branching out in other businesses. Real estate is one of them. So I had a training with the salespeople from, uh, for his firm. And, um, yeah, so I'll be sharing that with you guys. 
Uh, the session lasted, I think, about three hours, and I'm not going to make a three-hour podcast recording. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break it up into micro-sessions where we discuss one little thing um, at a time. So just like with the material that we did on professionalism, communications, and networking, where I just did several episodes that lasted, I think, close to two weeks or so, this is probably going to be one of those things. So that we don't have a three-hour podcast recording, I'll probably spread it out so... Uh, once we start on that, we'll probably have a marathon session of maybe, uh, I don't know, two or three weeks where we run through some of the juicy ideas that we um, discussed. So, yeah, that's it. That's what you guys should look forward to for next week. But, of course, even though it was tailored towards people in the real estate space, it still is relevant to those of us in the um, in the wedding space, in the event space, or whatever industry that you're uh, involved in. So, always remember... Don't think that because it is um, sales for the Nigerian wedding industry that is not applicable to you because you work in investment banking. The principles apply. We just need to be a little bit smart and creative. Take these principles and then apply them to our own situation. So thank you very much, guys, for listening. I'll catch you at the next recording.